the subject of the talk this evening is on concepts. Human beings are pestered, believed, and enmeshed in concepts. Due to the tremendous profusion and proliferation of concepts which beings carry with them, they cannot see the true nature of things. It's due to being trapped, confused and misled by concepts. To know the truth, to know the true nature it means complete elimination of all concepts right through from beginning to end all concepts must be cut <laughs> we will look at the character of existence as we know it and see how real it actually is. In order to do that we take one simple object out of the world analyze it in order that we can see how much real or independent existence it actually has. One only has to take one particular object and the same principle applies to all objects. Before me, in front here, is a clock. The clock itself seems to have its own existence, something quite unique and independent, something in itself. And what is taking place at the present moment is there is an observation of an object by a subject and that which is perceived is described as being a clock a particular mode of expression in a particular language 
is used and employed and it is designated a clock. And that particular object is something. But on actually examining that thing, its thingness disappears. One sees the clock is made up of parts. Different parts are brought together, are assembled, second hand, numbers, glass, small um, mechanisms, springs and instruments and so forth in the back. Different parts are assembled together, brought together, and it then, <coughs> when assembled in a particular way, it is called a clock. And so on that assemblage of parts, a name is imputed, or a concept is imputed, called clock. If one was to remove the causes, the assemblage, the conditions, and all the factors which were brought together, there could not be any clock. So, as a, or what a clock exists as, is as a label upon different parts that's put together in a particular way. And one again can examine each of these parts and see that those parts too are an assemblage, are a bringing together of different factors, different conditions, producing a particular sort of result. Thus, the clock, as with anything else, doesn't have its own real existence. It doesn't have any inherent sort of existence. It has no... It is no thing in itself. A meditation, any meditation... or a, sorry, a meditation which is always of great value is a meditation which sees and sees again very clearly that there is no thing in itself. But it appears to be a thing in itself standing by itself on its own as something quite independent of its parts its and elements and factors which have brought it together because of the mind. The mind makes it something.
as soon as it is something for one, whatever the object, it is something different, something unique, something special, and therefore something worth having or not worth having. So what actually takes place in terms of our relationship to this world of things is these different presentations or marks or characteristics or signs which appear in consciousness being or seeming to be something really existing in itself. And if a meditation is done in which one contemplates and reflects and dwells on the fact nothing is really in itself, it can and does go a great way to being genuinely dispassionate, genuinely being detached from this apparent world of different things. It only becomes a thing because of investment which places a value on it. <coughs> the moment, of course, there is the world of different things separate, independent of their causes, it means that there are, correspondingly with this world of things, a whole world of concepts. A whole realm of different thoughts and ideas, evaluations, judgments made about the world of things. The moment there is the world of things, you have all of the ideologies. Because every ideology, religious, political, social, economic, ecological or whatever, rests on the supposed belief of individual separate entities in themselves. fact, isn't it true? In order for any philosophy, viewpoint, standpoint, any belief in anything, it rests on the supposition of a world of different things. And so what happens, of course, 
is that with all these philosophies and ideologies it's a constant attempt to arrange things in a particular way so from this raw sense data, raw, bare experience that one has income, feeling, thought, concepts and again and again one's mind cheats one deceives one misleads one entices one because one is enmeshed in the concepts some of the concepts which are in you have with them particular associations, particular feelings and emotions. So for some people, the moment a concept is mentioned, they hear a word, or the concept arises in the mind, or they see the concept in a book, the very moment the concept is mentioned up come feelings, emotions and many associations for example if the concept India is mentioned different feelings, emotions can arise in association with that word or with father or death or depression or laughter or old age or beauty just using a particular single concept and because of that single concept it's just mentioned once and something arises something gets touched inside the concept appears in one's own mind and with it are these feelings and then these associations that go round with it so sometimes you just hear perhaps by chance perhaps just um, arisen or just heard, overheard a part of a conversation but one single word was used and your mind was trapped it began to uh, dwell on it 
It began to think about it more. It began to roll in it more. Necessary to see in terms of how one looks at anything in life the role that the concepts are actually playing. There are already the latent tendencies and when they show themselves in consciousness, they show themselves in terms of your thinking patterns. Each time one dwells on any sort of object, rests on it, leans on it, anything in its, anything whatsoever, it becomes something in itself. One may just, just reflect just uh, a minute or two, a few seconds, and just see or recognize perhaps some particular thing in the course of the day that one has dwelt on, which has become something which one has, has or is distinguishing from everything else. whatever. It might be a place, it might be a person, it might be a body, it might be the mind. Just to recognize, to see where one has dwelt upon something and isolated it. In the isolation, because of the mind's activity, in that very isolation, one gives that a value and separates it from everything else. One gives it a value and separates it from everything else. Now supposing you didn't actually put any sort of value on it. Something takes place. You don't single it out at all. You don't dwell on it. You don't think about it. And through not dwelling, not thinking about it, one doesn't get enticed, nor enmeshed, in any way, because there is really no value for it, We're speaking at a high level now, much higher level than ordinary, it means what? It means that it leaves no mark. 
it doesn't stain. Because there was no dwelling on it. Let us take a simple example. You take, let us first take something strong. We take evil. We see something which we interpret as being evil, wicked. And this is how things are in, in the world, in terms of different aspects of life. We see something as being particularly wrong, particularly bad. We say, in order for me to overcome, or in order for this bad to end, this evil, this wrongdoing, one must resist it. 